Hello and welcome to the Hearts Review with me Ross McLeod and Gordon Senior. Joining us this week are Calvin and David to talk about the win over Celtic which includes Flag Day at Tynecastle and how important Craig Gordon will be to us this season. We also chat a little bit about fans returning to stadiums, old firm allocations and we preview St Mirren on Saturday. So, how are we this week guys? Mm, no, delighted, delighted. I have to say, my legs have just about recovered. Uh, that feeling of uh, bruised and cut calves, it's, uh, it's certainly been a while. Um, no, listen, you, you couldn't have asked for a better start, could you, really? Um, well, results-wise, anyway, I thought the result was, was absolutely fantastic. Performance, could have been a little better, but uh, a brilliant start to the season. Yeah, I, uh, I think... I've got just as many injuries, if not more, than Gordon because I fell over at the first goal. Um, managed to cut my knee in two. That's smashing. Absolutely worth it. Uh, it was good to be back at Tynecastle again. It's been a long 18 months. And uh, honestly, I must admit, uh, the limbs for the first goal was up there, but one of the best at home I've probably ever had. And it's madness that considering it was a quarter full. But I think that just shows you how big that, big that goal was. All that was 18 months of built-up frustration all released in 30 seconds. And my word, what a 30 seconds it was. But yeah, delighted to get off with three points. I think it's uh, it's huge for Hearts that, that they managed to get a win because I think it, especially against that Celtic side and how poor they've looked over kind of pre-season and obviously the Champions League qualifiers, it was important for Hearts in general to get three points um, because we've got three points off better Celtic teams with a worse Hearts team. And I think it was big for Nielsen as well to go off with a good start. So, yeah, delighted. And let's hope that um, this isn't just a, a flashing bit of um, good fortune for us and we can actually carry this on for, for a wee while to come. I've just about got my voice back, to be honest with you. I think it was maybe about 10 minutes in and I lost it. I was like, that was a, yeah, this is totally lack of match practice. I can't remember at the previous two games, uh, previous three games, but... Honestly, like that, that that was as close to real football as we've had in about 17 months. Um, and I agree with you. It's probably one of the best sort of celebrations I've had at home as well. Um, just because I think it has been, it was bottled up for about 17 months. That first goal in particular, I mean, it was just uh, the, the celebrations was, was absolutely brilliant. It really was. And uh, I mean, just imagine it was 20,000 inside there. I mean, it would have been the, the noise would have been deafening. So I mean, credit to the five thousand in there. They they made it what it was. Um, I thought I thought the fans were brilliant. Yeah, I'm fortunate didn't get to attend on Saturday. I wasn't one of the lucky few who did. But the, <laughs> that was, the atmosphere in the pub was a was a sort of must be enough quite a while either. There was a bit of limbs at both goals in there as well. No, it was it was a good start. It, it's good to. Aside away from it being Celtic, it's good to get three points on the board out of the doors, considering the last time in the Premiership it took us, what, nine games to get three points on the board. So it's good to just get that monkey off the bat right away. Um, and beating Celtic's always brilliant. I know they're poor. I know we have got a better team than our times we've beaten them, but there's just nothing like beating them. And a new signing, uh, Benny. Benny Gimme played very, very well as well, didn't he, Gordon? He did. He did. Um, you know what? I mean, listen, the, it was a fantastic result. Um, I, but I think, you know, the, the I, I touched on a little bit. I, I signed a goal. I thought the performance could have been a, a, a lot better. Um, but, I mean, credit to Benny. He was certainly the, the, the best player in the park in a, in a heart shirt anyway. Um, and I think to, to step in 
to a game of that magnitude, considering the, the lack of football he's played, um, not just in his career, but I, I meant just in, in the summer there. But but actually, when when you think about how much um, little experience he's actually had, particularly in, in massive games like that, um, I thought he just it just looked so natural for him, and he you know he just he took to a duck like water, and and uh, I th- I thought it was a fantastic performance from him, and hopefully you know it's a, a start of things to come for him. Hopefully he'll end up getting better and better. That the fitter he becomes and the sharper he becomes, I thought his touches and far, you know, you, you actually look at him and you thought he doesn't look, you know, a huge, a huge, you know, like a, a really big gladiator. Because sometimes when when players come up from England, you know, I mean, I think Sean Clare was probably a prime example. He looked naturally bigger than some of the Scottish boys, um, and you kind of thought that would be the case, but but it wasn't with, with Benny. But nobody could get the ball off him. You know, I mean, you had a couple of two or three Celtic players around him a couple of times, and he just he would just shove them out the road, and he would keep the ball so calmly, and he you know he wasn't flustered by anything. He 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 was calm on the ball. He looked for the right pass. I mean, it was I think the 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 his best part of the play was was in the second half there, maybe about approaching the eighty minute mark. Um, he got the ball uh, after winning it from a slide tackle. He just held on to it. You know, I think about three Celtic players tried to took it off him before eventually he was fouled. And the whole of the Wheatfield stand stood up and, and gave him a, a standing ovation because that's what you want to see from your midfielder, particularly um, a kind of holding midfielder like that. That's that's ultimately their job. That's what they come in to do is to is to protect the ball and get you up the park. And he done that. And um, I think without him in there, I don't think Hearts would have won the game because the you know at times we were too deep, and you could you could you feel the, the and and hear the frustration from the supporters because. I think a lot of people were convinced that, that Celtic were very vulnerable. And the fact that we were sitting so deep, I think just sort of, it was frustrating because you wanted us to get at them and you knew how vulnerable they were defensively. Um, and listen, I, I, I was criticising them um, for, for a lot of that second half. I wanted Hearts to come out right in the front foot for, uh, in the second half and, and try and get an early second goal and put the game to bed because I think if Hearts had went 2-0 up, they, they would have they would have had the game done and dusted. I didn't see Celtic coming back from that, but I thought you know we we gave them a, a bit too much respect. They got a goal out of it, but the game changed when Peter Harding came on, you know, and, and you seen that extra and it almost reminded me of the semi final against Hibs. You know, Harding came on at the right time, and I thought that there only looked like one winner after that. You know, that last twenty minutes was what we wanted to see change the shape and um, and players like Benny and Peter Harding. You know, when, when you have that type of quality in the midfield you'll give anybody a game um so 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 credit to the manager for that credit for to, to Benny for lasting the 90 minutes and and looking so assured uh, while doing it um but as I said he, he'd be a massive player for us this season Celtic did look terrible though didn't they it was probably the worst Celtic team I've ever probably seen at Tancastle Calvin yeah, yeah. I mean, they were they, they were really poor. I think that's probably where some of the frustrations Gordon's talking about came from is that we came flying at the traps, scored the goal, and then seemed to sit off them and invite pressure on us. Admittedly, they didn't ever really test us with that. I mean, there's one point in the game where they had ninety percent possession and hadn't had a shot at goal yet. And you're going most teams and you get. I mean, you have St. Johnson amount of possession, they'll probably hit you quite quite severely. Never mind Celtic. No, they were they were really poor. I think I think when I seen their team in the Champions League the other night, and the, the sort of players were putting out starting two nineteen year olds at seven and a half in the Champions League, you sort of realised that there was a good chance we had there on Saturday. 
to, to do something. I don't know. I don't know how they've got so poor so quick. I know they've came at an end of a cycle, etc. But they've still spent thirteen million pound. So for them to go from that to being as poor as that, but I don't even think anything for Hearts. You can only beat what's what's in front. Of They're still Celtic at the end of the day. They've still got a guy who's rated to cost them ten million pound playing up front for them, who's rated as what a thirty million pound centre forward. So it's not like we're playing, you know, absolutely no much. That there's still players in there that should be able to punish it and hurt you. I mean that's. Not that long ago, they won a quadruple, quadruple treble. Sorry, so yeah, it's it's still a good result, whatever way you spin it. I mean, I think they'll struggle this season. We've already said that earlier that they would they would struggle. They're not the team they were, but you still got to beat them. And the David, it's been a criticization of Robbie Nielsen that you know he's he's not won the big games even when he's when he's he's had an opportunity. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that one game changes people's opinions on him, but if he can do this more often throughout the season, it certainly wouldn't help him uh, at all. Uh, it's certainly a criticism in his first spell. I mean, listen, he failed to beat a Ronnie Dyler Celtic team too many times as far as I was concerned, um, which was probably, it was up there with some of the poorest Celtic teams before, obviously, we're talking about this one. Um and then, you know, obviously, everyone knows his derby record and his cup record and everything else. Uh, so, yeah, he, he definitely needs to, to win people over with his big game record. And, you know, obviously, you could say that last season he, he, he beat Hibs in a cup semi, you know, lost in a penalty shootout to Celtic. We came back from 2-0 down and, and 3-2, you know. You could see that maybe the mentality has, has shifted slightly. However, you know, as I, as I previously mentioned, I wouldn't base it on a small subset of games you know there's plenty more football to be played and not all the biggest games come against the three or four biggest teams you know listen cup games that can be against semi-finals or quarter-finals against smaller opposition can cause more harm than good um as as hearts as we've previously known in the past watching this football club so i i certainly won't be um calling you know the big game uh, manager uh after saturday however um you know, the more often he'll do it, the more confident I'll have in him and, and his team selection and his tactics to, to, to get us a win um, I, I get in big games. But we'll see how we get on. But fingers crossed for him because, you know, I, I do want him to succeed. You know, as, as much as we've criticised him over well, you know, we all know that he's, heart, he's a big hearts man and, you know, he's played for the club for so many years and he's, he's came back for a second spell. And it's easy to be critical early doors. And obviously he wasn't our first choice coming back into the club. But, you know, now he's here and, and with the kind of the, the structure that's around him, he doesn't really have a reason to fail, I'd say. So I kind of want him to do well. I want Hearts to win. But we'll see. I won't be holding my breath. You've, you've got to remember as well, there's there, there's actually a lot of big game players in, in that team. You know, I think when you actually go right through the Hearts team, um, not necessarily even Hearts as strong as 11, but just right through the squad, you know, there's a lot of players who seem to, raise their game in the big games, you know, even the back four, which was obviously heavily criticised, um, even the season we went down, you know, three of that back four, you know, your suitors, your Smiths, your Halkits, they're they are guys who always seem to raise their game. When the big games come along, you know, the, the Rangers games and uh, to a lesser extent the Celtic games and then and obviously the Hibs, the Hibs games as well, um, that season we went down, you know, I, I still thought that our record against the, the, the top teams minus the two games in Glasgow where they, they turned us over 5-0. But generally, the, the home games, they were always up for it for the very start. You add Craig Gordon to the mix and his experience in there, it tells, you know, it's a real stubborn, uh, experienced heart side. And I think a lot of people underestimate that, um, having the types of players with that type of experience on the park. 
they won't get, you know, scared because Celtic have 75% of possession. You know, they know how to handle it. So they went out there with a game plan. Might have not been pretty to watch, but it was obviously effective in the end. Um, I don't think we'll, you know, listen, I think we'll be difficult to beat this season, particularly at home. But I think from a fan's point of view, you know, you want to see, particularly when the attacking options that we have, you'd like to see us be a wee bit more expansive. But listen, again, uh, I, w- I was sitting criticising them from the 45th minute and uh, quite a lot of fans were as well. But fairness to him, he made the change at the right time, the right player came on and we went on and won the game. And listen, I'll happily eat humble pie if that happens every week. Not a problem with that. Um, I, I gave him all the praise in the world when he done it against Hibs and I'll give him all the praise again in the world uh, because he's done it against Celtic. So listen, brilliant for him, brilliant for the football club. It's a good start. But like he said himself, they've got to go and do it again at St Mirren uh, on Saturday. So that'll be the that'll be the, the big test of, of um, the real character of this squad because I think, you know, that, that result showed that, that Hearts are, you know, they're not the eighth place finishers that uh, all these experts think that we're, we're going to be this season. Um, the league flag was um, was unravelled at the start of the game, Gordon. It, it, it was quite a... Um... An, an interesting, um, an, an interesting sort of spectacle with the, the fireworks going off. I mean, did we really need to make it that razzmatazz? Interesting isn't the word I would use. I think embarrassing is the word I would use. To be perfectly honest with you, um, I thought it was a slap in the face to quite a lot of the supporters, and considering the fact the club released a shirt this week saying "All uh, Always Hearts." Um, I thought is is a bit brass neck to be honest with you because I mean the the pyrotechnics the the whole big spectacle of it the countdown nah not for me I think um you know it was only a few months ago that the the club had released a statement saying out of respect that we're going to lift the championship trophy I think they should have carried on with that that rhetoric with with the flag come out unveil it let's get on with the game I I I, I didn't like the whole fireworks thing. Um, I thought it was a bit too much. Um, I don't even think Anne Budge and McKinley should have came out either, especially with the trophy. You know, just let Craig Gordon unfurl the flag and let's go on with it. Um, because, you know, listen, the the, the injustice um, of that relegation is not just going to go away because we're now back in the Premiership. Um, I think it will still hurt for quite a long time and I don't think we should just forget about it. And I thought the fact that it, it was the first game with a you know, a reasonable amount of fans and they are certainly the biggest attendance since um, that the, the whole thing happened. Um, I think to go out and, and put big fireworks off for the for the TV, I think, was just... I think it was the wrong way to do it. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, th- I think they should have just continued on with the, the kind of... Just unfurl it, get on with it. That's it. I thought it was a, a bit of a slap in the face to the supporters, actually. Got any comments on the flag, David? Um, but not nothing really additional to add. It was a bit. I mean, listen, I was steaming, so at the time I thought, hey, here we go, try to you know try to play the sarcasm card. Now, oh, this is amazing. But I did wonder what was going on. Like you know, it was fine seven years ago when we came up and we 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 deserved to go down, and then we deserved to come back up, and it was you know the party atmosphere of being back, but it was, I did kind of, when I watched it back and I seen it again, I was, yeah, it was, I was kind of, you know, you know, I had the hot sweats and everything. I was like, Christ almighty, this looks really, really bad, doesn't it? 
And you know, why, why, why are we treating as a celebration? Why were we treating as a celebration? That that's know. the thing that, that annoys me. Well, I did. You know, the, I did the fireworks suggest we're celebrating something. You know, that's what really wound me up more than anything. Is you know, I, I it did. clearly wasn't a celebration. We're not celebrating lifting a, a trophy yeah. in a league that we've never been in the first place. But the hearts are back. Yeah. You know, that's that's the, <laughs> that's the I did hear. I did actually hear quite a few folk, especially watching the back on telly. There was actually quite a, f- a few folk booing as the uh, as the flag um, was getting unveiled, and I wasn't sure it was maybe focusing Neil Doncaster, and I hadn't because I'd certainly mentally prepared myself to boo him. Um, however, I did hear quite a few boos, so there was certainly an element of the heart support that was absolutely not pleased and not for the whole, like like Gordon said, but essentially a celebration because that's what it is. Um, it just felt a bit wrong. It, it just it didn't sit well, um, especially being there. It was just a bit like, right, come on, wrap this pish in. There, there was no need for it. And I don't know how it looked on the telly at the time in the pub watched it, but you'd just be like, oh, come on, get on with the game, man. The, like, you know, the, the last thing you want to do is remember that championship season. It was brutal in all aspects. You know, like Gordon said, do the flag and then just get on with it. It was the fireworks that got me, by the way. That oh, was it was hilarious. just brutal, eh? Brutal. I mean, watching the pub, it was probably a lot worse than it actually seemed at the game. Like, I'm not going to lie, it was pretty... Um, it was pretty <laughs> I, I, as Gordon was saying, that it wasn't that long we were debating whether or not we should lift the trophy at all. I think just do the dignified thing, get the captain, go unveil the flag and walk off. Don't treat it with any respect because it doesn't deserve any respect. Um, well, we've been over it a million times, what happened with the relegation. Just put it behind us. There's no need for... Also, it just it just opens you up to getting ripped off everyone else as well. Like you just it looks pretty pretty tin pot. You know, you'd expect that from like a Hamilton or St. Mirren getting promoted. No from us. Like even if we got even if we got relegated fairly, I still wouldn't want to celebrate it like that. It's, it should have strolled that championship. We did in the end. Just pretend it never happened and get on with it. I think Anne Budge just likes to walk out with trophies. But I think she does, and I wish she'd do it more often, just not with the fucking championship one. Well, that's the only one that's the only one she's won. So at least, we, at least we've got round to Colin Hart's tin pot after a 2-1 win over Celtic. That, that's that's the Hearts review. We're, we're back, just like Hearts are back. Um, good to see John Souter scoring. Um, I thought he, he'd had a very good game um, on Saturday night. I thought both centre-halves had quite a good game. And, you know, as, as Gordon alluded to previously, they, they, they seem to raise it for the, the bigger occasions, especially at home. You know, especially, you know, Souter's went through more rehab than any other footballer probably will have in their entire life. And he's only, what, 23-24. So, you know, it's great to see him get a goal in such a big game. And and you, you just really hope for his own career as well as anything else that he really doesn't get an injury. He can get a really prolonged spell of first-team football. Um, because, you know, everyone knows the quality that John Suter possesses, albeit, you know, he, he's, he's been arguably part of the, a Hearts team that got relegated, albeit he didn't play an awful lot of football compared to the other two centre-halves that played that season. But he's a guy with bags of quality. He's a Scotland international He's up there, one of the best centre-halves that can distribute the ball and up here in the league at the moment. So if you can just get a long running spell in the side, get back up to a proper match fitness. It looks like he's put on a bit of a beef in the, in, over the preseason as well, which I guess was good because I was quite critical at some points of him being quite easily bossed off the ball, especially in aerial challenges. So hopefully he can, he can uh, improve that aspect of his game this season too because, you know, hearts and set pieces don't go um, usually pretty well. Um, but yeah, it'd be good to see him get a, a really good run because not just for, for us as well, because, you know, centre-half-wise, we are quite thin on the ground, especially if we're planning to play the, the, the back three um, that Nielsen looks like is going to be his chosen formation. Um, 
for some games. So, yeah, for him as well as, as us, we really do need him to have a, a good season. Um, but if he, can continue, if he and Halkett can continue to play as they did against Celtic, then, then we are going to be a hard team to beat because, you know, they stopped pretty much most balls coming into the box. They stifled Celtic to very few opportunities. Again, that comes into the whole team as well, um, pulling their weight and, and really working really hard. But, you know, we, we need to become that kind of team. And I think if you can keep a, a solid back three or back four, whatever Nielsen decides to play for a prolonged period of time, it helps. It really does pay dividends in the future because you're not chopping and changing and playing different centre-half pairings every week, which we were doing when we essentially got relegated and it cost us big time. I think he's, he's certainly much better as part of a back three. Um, I think it suits him a lot better than it does a back four. I think he's a little bit more exposed than a back four. Um, and I think we've seen that the, the season we got relegated. And I actually think it helps Halkett um, being in a, a back three. And credit to Kingsley. Because, um, I mean, you could argue that Kingsley's best position is, is left back. But um, I think he's slotted in quite well as part of that back three. I'd still like to see us sign another uh, centre-half, though, um, to go in there and give us a little bit more depth at the back. Um, but no, I, I agree with you, David. You know, I think he, he definitely does look a lot, um, a lot sort of sturdier. I would say, um, which is good to see. You know, he's certainly worked hard in the gym. I think even du- during his rehab, he's probably worked harder to get his upper body um, absolutely spot on. And I think you know, when you've got a big defender coming up for for a, a cross or a corner or whatever, um, a set piece, then you know. It's only a good thing because you want teams to look at Hearts um, like they used to and go, they're a big side. You know, I, I think we've missed that for quite a few years. We've we've not been the big, strong, powerful side that we should be, um, and we've not scored enough goals from set pieces and corners. To be honest with you, um, over the last few years, nowhere near enough. And um, so that's encouraging to see. It was a fantastic ball in from Michael Smith, because um, again, I don't think we have enough players who possess that type of quality. Um, to put a decent ball into the box like that, but it's something I'd like to see more of us doing. And, and if uh, we continue to do that, you know, you'll see guys like Halkett and Sewer uh, get goals because um, it's something that, that 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 they actually do quite well for defenders, as as they are quite lethal in the other box. Uh, like he was, he was brilliant. He's he's looked a different player since he came back, even towards the sort of tail end of last season. I know we weren't playing great sides, but it's not really a coincidence that he came back into the squad and we went on this great run of not conceding goals. I know that's not great opposition, but clean sheets are clean sheet at the end of the day. Like 10, 10 games without conceding a goal is not be sniffed at, regardless of who you're playing. Um, I think he played a major part in that. I think he's definitely got more physical, which is what we've really missed at the back, is somebody that can actually can actually dominate in the air because we know what the Scottish game's like. You know, it can be a fast, brilliant position defender all you want, but you still need to mix it when it comes to it, so that bodes well going forward. Um, Centre-half, I've went on about a lot. I still think we need another one. And Jury's still on Halkett for me. He's, he's been hit or miss. Um, so with his injury record, we just can't go into the season taking that chance. But we really can't go into the season taking the chance that we're going to have to play Popescu and Halkett as a, as a centre-half pairing. And it's, it's unfortunate, but that, that's where we are. Um, it's, I, hope he, I really hope he does play the full season hope he has a brilliant season, but we know the history, it'd be very naive of us to go in thinking that he's going to play the full season, so I, I think it has to be a priority still to sign another centre-half, because I say if he gets hurt, really short, really short on that. I mean, I know you could, I mean, you could argue maybe sign a right-back is more of a priority, and then Smith can play 
centre half where he's like we better if we're going to play a back three signing out and out wing back instead of playing a full back further forward might be a better option but I, either or we, ju- we just need more cover at the back um, left side we're fine but right or centre is is where I think we need to get get more bodies and at least one I'd, I'd ideally like to see us going spend a bit of money and that's probably a bit of a wish list but spend a bit of money on a top top quality centre half for the level we're at rather than sign two or three sort of stopgap defenders And also a, a, a guy that played um, superbly as well and it's, it's a guy you hope that continues to play well and plays on for the, the whole season is Craig Gordon. I mean, two fantastic saves at the end as well of the game. Oh, they were just something else. Like, it, it doesn't even make it look that difficult, though. That, that's the thing that's, that's always found mad about Craig Gordon. Like that, the first save um, and, his, and his double save at the end is just ridiculous. Like I, I was watching the telly and I thought the boy would put it wide at first. Until you've seen it back, you're like, and you see every different angle and you go, how has he managed to do that? Like it's just fantastic. And then his second save, his second save doesn't look that difficult. It looks like he just sort of glides across it, not a problem. But I think any of our goalkeepers over the last three or four seasons, that that's a goal. But I know they weren't the best standard, but any one of them, that's in. We can see the last minute, last minute equaliser there. Um, it just breeds confidence. The only issue is his age, but he seems to have been fine last season. Touch would he be fine? In fact, it's going, I'm not going to say that. I'd stare at that. But um, he's he's some. It's just something else for his age. He just seems to, he seems to have almost got better. Like I don't know if maybe the opposition's got worse or what. Maybe it's just his experience puts him in better positions to make these saves. But, and it has been 15 years right enough, but he almost seems better than he was the first time round, if that's even possible, because the first time round it was unbelievable. But some of the saves he's making at the moment are just, it's just fantastic. Quite After having so long of poor goalkeepers, to then go from that to this, it's like, it's just night and day. I think I think there seems to be real determination uh, with him because he's got the captain's armband, I think. Um, I agree with you as well. I think he, I think he is definitely... Um, better wage and experience and you know goalkeepers I think even though he is what 38, 39 I mean keepers can play well into their 40s you know and I think the the way he looks after himself I know he's had his injury issues and stuff over the years but the way he actually looks after himself and he had that prolonged period out he, he himself probably thinks that he's still got time to make up um, and I think we're seeing that just now I think there's a fearlessness about him um, and that will only stand us in good stead you know when your goalkeeper's making Two and listen, the first one, by the way, is world class. You know, I mean, it does look from the angle that Forrest puts it wide, but to actually make yourself that big, because a lot of keepers can make themselves big at tight angles, but leave themselves open, uh, you know, like, I don't know, for, for the nutmeg or something. But Craig Gordon actually makes it that, you know, he's that imposing a figure that James Forrest can only do one thing and try and wrap it around him. And he makes himself that big that he gets a touch which takes it wide. And it, it, it's an incredible save, it really is, because as soon as you see Forrest run through, you think, goal, that's it, we've blown it 2-2. And for, to see it end up in the stands. And, you know, I think most people cheered it as if it was a goal. Um, you heard the roar. People knew there and then that, that we were going to go on and win this game. And then the second one as well um, was a really, really top save as well. He read it all the way and got across it. Because how many times um, have we seen them over the years? A ball just comes into the box and, you see it just end up in the, the, the bottom corner from a header and you th- and the goalkeeper's just route to the spot. It's because he's alert. 
he's read the game. He knows exactly where that header's going and he gets across to it. And uh, for people to play it down as well, you know, like uh, I think Berra and all that were in the studio saying, ah, it's a good save, it's not a world-class save and all this sort of thing. Well, I'd like to see them get across to, to a header like that because there's absolutely no danger they would. Um, fantastic save from a fantastic keeper. And, um, you know, if he does stay fit, which I'm sure he will, you know, he could be worth about 20 points to Hearts this season, I think. David, 5,000 Hearts fans, sounded like 20,000. Um, and no Celtic fans. I mean, do you, do you think that made the difference during the game? Oh, I very much enjoyed zero Celtic fans at Tynecastle. I'll cherish that for a long, long time. Um, yeah, look, look, listen, this this is kind of uh, brings you back to that old argument that we, we kind of have and we've ha- have had over the years of, you know, how much do you give, um, you know, the, the, the bigger teams at, at Tynecastle? You know, obviously the unofficial agreement is that you give Hibs the full stand because you get the same in return away from home. But, you know, considering that we get absolutely um, shafted by the old firm in terms of away uh, allocations and, and have done since the beginning of time, pretty much, you know, you're lucky if you get uh, four figures of fans at, at, at both clubs. Um, why should we be giving them three and a half thousand? You know, we're not in a position where we need to make money uh, off these teams. We didn't need three and a half thousand uh, ticket sales off the old firm at 30 quid a pop. We don't need that. I'd much rather get 2,000 extra Hearts fans in there and give them 1,200. Because you've seen the difference, you know, I think even five and a half thousand fans at Tincastle makes a difference with, uh, obviously, zero Celtic fans there, but even a limit, another, a limit number of old firm fans. Why should we give them, be giving them an extra advantage by giving them a whole stand worth it? Um, because they, you know, you've seen it before. How many times have they pretty much sucked the ball in the back of the net in the last minute against us, both Celtic uh, and Rangers? You know, we've seen it far too often at Tincastle. I mean, listen, I'd be giving them the top corner because I hate them. I didn't want any of them near us. But you know, you, you have to give them, I guess, slightly extra as the unofficial agreement. But twelve hundred or something, like like we did in the championship season with Rangers, and when we came back up, I know that we had the old stand back then and capacities increased, and you know, you could say that we don't maybe get 18,000 at home but listen why wouldn't you now people have been away from the game for so long people are chomping at the bit to get back at Tincastle no matter what game it's against you know you'd be giving every other club apart from the old firm 600 uh, even if we didn't fill it so why be giving them extra I, 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 don't, I don't like it and I hope that we get a little bit of backbone back and take some tickets off them because listen the, the 900 there fuck that, behind a pole for half of the tickets at Celtic Park as well could barely see the halfway line for there. Um, so, no. Uh, the more Hearts fans at Tynecastle, the better, especially for the bigger games, because it does make such a difference. Um, it really does. The fans were brilliant on Saturday. Uh, they'll be brilliant for the rest of the season when we get back to full stadiums, and hopefully that's soon. And then, you know, away fans, give them as little as possible, because, you know, you want, you, you want as big advantage at home as you can. And if that's limiting Celtic to 1,200, bring it on. If less, even perfect, I'd be giving them 500, but, you know, we're not going to do that, unfortunately, I don't think. But, yeah, it's, I think the days of giving them the full Roseburn stand should be gone. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. It's something that's baffled me for a long, long time. Um, you know, Celtic and Rangers, listen, two monster football clubs who have thousands and thousands of supporters, but um, there seems to be you know, this fear factor when it comes to standing up to the old firm. And we've done it previously, you know, we've obviously cut their allocation and things like that. And, and credit to Aberdeen, they've done it as well. And, and Hibs have done it at, at some point. And, um, but I mean, like when we built the new stand, and to be honest with you, 
there wasn't that much difference between the capacities from when we had the old stand and to when we've built the new stand. I know it's up to 20,000, but, you know, it's not really, you know, we're still getting the same sort of allocations, but it's like we're still getting the same sort of crowds, but the stadium still looks full, if that makes sense. You know, I mean, we played Aberdeen once um, and the new stand was, was open and um, the stadium looked packed and, you know, we had the Roseburn, we had three sections open for the home supporters and it was full. Um, yet, you know, the allocation was only about 18,000. So, you know, I, I don't think having three and a half thousand Celtic fans really um, is, uh, you know, is, is filling seats that are empty. I, I think, you know, if you cut their allocation and you opened the Roseburn up, I think we'd, we'd easily fill it. So I think we've, um, we, we, we should definitely do it because you've seen the impact that it made having uh, little Celtic fans there. And it was the same in the Championship when we uh, restricted Rangers allocation as well. Um, it makes it makes so much difference, you know. Tynecastle could be a cauldron of noise, and when the fans are really up for it, and they've got something to shout about, um, the stadium is such an intimidating atmosphere for for away supporters, and we've got to embrace that. Um, and I think um, I think definitely it's something the club really need to consider. Um, tell tell the old firm to bolt. I mean, because I mean that's maybe why half the reason why people didn't want to go to the games against the old firm because they've got to sit and listen to them for uh, for ninety minutes. So cut their allocation. Get high, you know, make it a, a much more intimidating atmosphere and, and that'll definitely help us get more results in the future against Celtic and Rangers because it definitely, definitely helps. Um, listen, David, I'd, I'd happily give them nothing, but unfortunately, I think you've got to give them a percentage of, of their away support. I'm not sure what percentage it is, but I, I would happily just give them the one section as well. Um, I really would. It would be easier to, to police. It would, be, it would make so much more sense. Um on a number of levels, um, but I think they'll probably continue to give them the, the two sections, um, which is fine as well. I, th- I don't see anything wrong with that. I think give Celtic Rangers and Aberdeen maybe the two sections, Hibs the full stand, everybody else one section. If you've got a harsh team in the park, fans will come out and watch it. They will. They'll, they'll, they, they will come out. And I think, and as I said last week there, I, I think Hearts are on the cusp of something. I think it might not necessarily be this season, but in the next couple of years, I think we're we're on the road to, to to doing something hopefully pretty special, and I think the fans will definitely turn out for that um, if they've if they've got if they believe something if they believe in something and they get behind something, then um, they'll absolutely get behind behind the cause, and I think um, that'll be the case uh, hopefully in the next couple of years, and I think reducing the allocation is is a, a huge way of doing that. Well, I would love to see your results when they've got half a stand compared to when they've got a full stand. Maybe it's just in my head, but it feels like we have generally tended to get better results against them in those circumstances than, than out with that. But maybe that's because it could just be self-fulfilling. We've only given them half a stand because we've got a better team on the parts. We've sold more tickets anyway. So it might just be to do with that. But it definitely feels like that, that we, we've beat them more like that. Um, Hibs should be getting the full stand unless they do sand after their allocation. Aberdeen's the only one I'd watch because I'd like to keep the same sort of allocation we get at Pataudry. Um, but I think we'd probably give them the same anyway, regardless. But the old farm for me, I'd sit in one, not even one full section, just an upper just an upper section, box it in with police, preferably put a pillar in the middle or something, if we can. Don't know what we need it for, but just block it a bit of their view. Um, I'd just make, their, just make their visit as uncomfortable as possible. Same we have to put up with through there. Like, they come through here for a full day out, we joy in Edinburgh, that's a great wee day out for them, because you're normally in three or four now, but we go through there, you're stuck behind a pillar, 600 Hearts fans or whatever it is, we get to Celtic Park, treated like crap, 
get home. It's just a horrible experience all in. So I'd love us to do the same with them. We can all but wish, I suppose. But then uh, you do make some great points. I mean, we should be doing that. You know, we should be at least be getting a percentage. You know, we've had a lot of chat in the, the group chats this week about that. And yeah, I mean, it is quite baffling that we, we continue to give Rangers and Celtic a full stand. Um, we've got St Mirren next in the league. This could be a, 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 an interesting one, a, a, a difficult game potentially. They have signed quite well during the summer. Um, and a lot of people are tipping them for top six this season. I mean, what did you make of them? Have you seen any highlights um, from their game against Dundee, Gordon? Yeah, I actually watched the, the first half um, before I, I made my way to uh, the pub. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think I think they do have a pretty experienced side. I mean, they signed pretty well, not just this summer, but the, the previous summer before. I mean, signed well in St Mirren comparisons, you know what I mean, compared to what they would normally do. I think they've they're, they've certainly got a bigger budget. I think they've got more back in now. I think they are fan-owned, but I think they, they have maybe American investors possibly as well. Um, I might be wrong, but I'm, I'm sure they do. Um, so, you know, obviously they're they're, they're more ambitious than, than they probably ever have been, to be honest with you. I mean, St Mirren traditionally are just happy to stay in the league, but they, they have aspirations of top six. And I even heard Tony, is it Tony Fitzpatrick, their, their chairman, I even heard him saying, you know, a few years ago that they want that, you know, they're capable of finishing the top four. Um, I suppose if you think about, you know, your St. Johnstons and, you know, even Livingston have done at one point and Motherwell, I guess, have, have finished third. I suppose it's not out with the, the, the realm of possibilities, but I don't think it'll happen this season or anytime soon because I think now you've you've got obviously a very strong heart side who are well, we're hoping a very strong heart side, and then you've got Hibs and Aberdeen who um, are pretty street smart and St. Johnson not on a bad team either. So I think it's difficult for them to break into that kind of top uh, top five teams. I think, you know, they're, they're probably at a stage at the moment where they could potentially um, get themselves into the top six, but so could a number of teams. Uh, you know, you have got your Dundee, St. Johnstons and, um, you know, even Livingston. I know that they, they were obviously humbled at Ibrox, but I, I wouldn't necessarily rule them out. I think if they add a striker, they... Could be okay. Ross County as well are, are not a bad side. So, um, you know, it's a very tight league, and I think St Johnston, sorry, St Mirren will ha- rely heavily on their um, their home form uh, this season, and, and they'll fancy themselves against us. You know, newly promoted side. Um, they'll be. I think they were disappointed that they didn't get a result at the end um, on Saturday. I mean, certainly they started the game well, but Dundee came into it a little bit, and it was. I think a draw was probably a fair result. Obviously, Dundee had. 10 men for, for the majority of that game but it almost um, takes me back to when we came up the first time and uh, we obviously had that really positive result in the opening day against St Johnston and then we went to Dundee the following week and Dundee were uh, were, were fully confident they'd beat Kilmarnock 4-0 on the opening day and you know they, they fancied themselves in front of a bumper home crowd and credit to Hearts we went up there and, and, and won 2-1 and that set the tone I think for us that season that because a lot of people tipped Dundee under Hartley that season, similar to what people are tipping St Mirren this season, um, to maybe be a, a wee dark horse. And, and a lot of people thought Hearts would get beat that day and they went up there and won. I think Hearts will need to do something similar. You know, our record in, in Paisley is is poor. Um, so we, we definitely need to turn it around. I think having no fans does us no favours. Um, but hopefully we can go there and, and with a decent game plan and, and beat them. You know, they're not a team I would fear. They've they've definitely got dangerous players. Um, 
you know, they've. I, I like the boy McGrath. I've, I've said many times that I think Hearts should be in for him. Um, you know, they've got. I, I mean, the the boy um, Main and um, Brophy linked up quite well um, for for one of the goals there against Dundee at the weekend. So they'll be dangerous. I think they'll be a fairly box standard team. It'll be a good test though to see where Hearts are. Um, I think you know if they can go to St Mirren and, and beat them, then it shows you that actually they, they are um, at the level we we hope and think they are at. Um, if they were to go and get beat, I think it would maybe be uh, a bit of a, a bringing us back down to earth a little bit. So good test for Hearts. Uh, wouldn't fear them, but uh, we'll we'll see how it goes. It would be the classic Hearts thing to go and beat Celtic, then get beat off St Mirren, David, wouldn't it? I mean that that, that usually does happen. Let, let's hope it's different. Yeah, I've already mentally prepared myself for it, Ross, I'm not going to lie, um, just because it's so us. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's a ground that I, I, I don't enjoy going to. I've never had a good time at um, St. New St. Mirren Park. It's always been a defeat, pretty much, or a draw. Uh, I think it's the best result I've had there. Uh, Jamie Hamill scoring a half volley from 25 yards was the last positive result I had there. So, it's... Um, in, in a way, I'm I'm glad I don't have the temptation to go because there's no tickets on sale. However, you know, after last weekend, you know, you could see Hart selling at that stand within a minute and taking an extra bit of their their other stand as well because you know people would be up for it. Um, you know, there there, there would be that kind of um impulse and sales that uh, a win against the old firm does, uh, as we've so often seen. And again, the, the, the matter of fact is it's always been a football game, football game for so long. And away, everyone loves an away day, no matter where it is. Well, no, that's not true. Celtic Park and Ibrox aren't great. But, you know, an away day, you know, when you, you get to the pub in Glasgow early doors, you have a, you have a wee bevy before it and a bevy after it. It's, it's, it's a game that's definitely one that has, it, it, over previous seasons, it's, it has the words banana skin written all over it, doesn't it? And I don't think that'll be any different this time around because it's one of the better St. Mirren teams that, Hearts will probably have come up against in the in the last few years. However, you look at that Hearts team and, and on paper, they're, they're just the quality we have, especially up front, they should be putting fear of life into most teams, especially the way they played on on, on, on Saturday in moments, albeit not through the full game. So I, I, I don't see any reason why we can't go there and get a result. However, the reason I see us not getting a result is because we are Hearts and it's just a very us thing to do. Uh, and I'm usually quite optimistic about games, but some re- for some reason on this one, I'm maybe not so much. I hope that changes, and I'll happily... Uh, I want to be proven wrong, but um, I don't know. Uh, something about the game, I'm just slightly uneasy about it. But fingers crossed we can we can put in a good performance like we did against Celtic and, and come away with three points because, you know, it's, it's, it's two tough games on paper at the start of the season. You know, submitting away, as I've said previously, it's not, an, it's not a fixture we do well in. So it'd be good to change the, the, the history books on this one and get three points. Obviously, before we end the show, we'll discuss the announcement today on um, fans and stadium. Do you think we should be having full crowds just now? Um, Celtic Park and Ibrox have been given permission to have 25,000 and near enough. Um, I just I find it real bizarre having a limit like that because 5,000 means that McDermott Park, New Douglas Park, etc. can be almost capacity, but Ibrox and Parkhead have to apply to have more than, what's that percentage, 10% capacity? It's it's just really weird, and even up to the councils, just leaves room for discrepancies. We've seen like all across the board, like Samaritan at the weekend allowed one thousand fans in their stadium, which is less than ten percent. 
meanwhile, Motherwell had 7,000 in, which is over 60% with a 2,000 capacity away crowd as well. Like, it, you just, the whole thing just seems weird. Either, either have a limit or don't have a limit. Somebody's going to feel hard done by, right? And given what's happened was for the Celtic game, I would I would bet on being Hearts and Hibs that will be the ones that start feeling hard done by here. Um, I don't have any faith in the Edinburgh Council to allow more than, say, I don't think it'll be as, as small as it was for the Celtic game. I think it might be 50% capacity or something, or maybe at 10,000 uh, 10, or something, maybe just enough to cover season tickets. You know, football clubs in particular, just like the hospitality trade, just like the, the nightclub trade, have been the hardest hit because, you know, they rely heavily on on income from supporters. Um, and, and, you know, particularly in Scotland, match day revenue is is the biggest source of income for all clubs. And I think to, you know, the fact that social distancing is now being scrapped, it's no longer a legal requirement. There's zero excuse to have uh, anything under full capacities if, if, if football clubs want them. The council, you know, listen, I, I don't know what sort of relationship Hearts have with the council, but it doesn't necessarily bode well when we were only getting 5,000 when other clubs were getting, you know, higher percentages and things like that. Um, listen, hopefully common sense prevails. They turn around and, and we do get a full capacity um, for, for our next home game. And hopefully, you know, we'll even get an away allocation at, at Parkhead coming up. Um, but I think, I, I really do. I, I just, I, I can't get my head around it, to be perfectly honest with you. Listen, Saturday was huge for, for me personally and, and it was everybody else inside the ground, you know, it, it was the closest uh, 17 months that we waited for a night like that, uh, for that feeling of your, your team scoring a goal in a big, big game and being there and seeing it and, and just, you kind of beat those feelings, you know what I mean? Um, so for, for us to continue just stagnating and stagnating, it, it, it does fill you with a bad feeling. Um, so hopefully the, the councils will, will take a bit of responsibility and they'll say, right, listen, I think there's... You know, I think we, we can have full capacities if you want them. Um, but if they, if they still go down the road with, you know, five 5,000 and 6,000 at Tynecastle and Easter Road, it's, it's disgraceful, really. You know, had there been a rugby game at Murrayfield in two to three weeks' time, I very much doubt we'd be seeing the 5,000 capacity limit being put on them. And I could see Edinburgh Council quite happily given a, a rugby game at Murrayfield, you know, the go-ahead to do a full... 67,000, get the pints in, blah, blah, this, that, and the next. Because rugby fans seem to get the, the, the rub of the green when it comes to these things. Fingers crossed that Edinburgh Council can get their finger out and hopefully it's not a, 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 a job's worth that's saying that we can't because, you know, 17,000 is too scary a number to have packed in one space. And outdoors, may I add, too, which we've all know is, is safer than indoors. So fingers crossed, but I really won't get my hopes up because we've seen Edinburgh Council... Um, fail us before and uh, we'll probably see them fail us again. I mean, well, what, what is the need for the applicant? Is it just purely because, it, it, is it just not being explained very well? It's purely because these grounds haven't held crowds in so long that you almost need to prove that you're still capable of doing it to stop somebody just having like a brand new event that's never been through these procedures before? Or is it just, is it just another bit of admin? Or like, it just seems so, so grey. That, that... You know, if it's just to go through the motions and you know that you're going to get full capacity, then they should have just said that. Why are they making it so ambiguous to folk? Because folk are getting the folk have been getting their hopes up for this date for ages, looking forward to going back to a full capacity match. But, you, but what you've got to remember as well, it's not even that. It's you, you've got fans who come from down south and you know even from from over in Ireland and things like that, and they'll want to plan ahead 
when they can go and see their teams again. Because, you know, us in Scotland, you know, I have big football clubs up here. We have a lot of fans who do come up from down south to watch their teams um, from over the water as well. And they'll be wanting a plan for when that they can come back. Hamden, like Scotland as well, the SFA, listen, I have no love for the SFA, but, you know, I feel sorry for them here because they've they've sold, they've, they've, they've got Hamden open at 100% capacity because they were under the impression that was going to be the case. They've sold tickets now. I think Hamden's virtually nearly sold out for the, the Moldova game already. I hope I'm wrong. I hope we're all wrong. We're just reading that, completely reading into this wrong and Hearts have already had an application and it's been approved and we're full capacity for Aberdeen and we might just look like idiots moaning about this. But we're not the only ones. When you go on social media the day, everyone's getting a bit antsy about this as well. Do you know what I mean? It's been... It's been a full year and a half since I've stayed in Scotland was last at full capacity. Like some of them maybe just need the councils to check that they're still safe because, like, obviously you have to apply for a safety certificate every year. Maybe it's just something as simple as that, and we're all reading it completely wrong. But I just after everything that's happened and every single time you get your hopes up, just get punched in the gut again. I just I'm just worried once more that it's going to happen again. But I've already got I've already got plans for Tanadice in three or four weeks' time. But I'm now beginning to question whether that's the likelihood or not. But Hopefully, hopefully we'll all be there. And I just think, you know, I hope for the councils go behind their football clubs because surely they know how important they are to the communities of, you know, even a big city like Edinburgh and, and Glasgow. And, um, you know, like there's there's Lanarkshire, uh, South Lanarkshire Council, you know, they've got behind Motherwell. They they, they gave them, uh, you know, basically they had, they had a, it was a normal game for them, a normal capacity. Um, and you would imagine that, that those sort of clubs will, will continue to, to get that. And I think, when you have, um, you know, an away support like like Hibstead on um, on Sunday there, then there's there's no reason, you know, that we've been to the match. You know what I mean? We've uh, it was farcical that there was only two thousand let in for the cup games, but that that you know you had to adhere to the, the the guidelines because we're saying right, it won't be long until there's full capacities. Listen, hopefully we're wrong. Hopefully it comes out and Hearts release a statement saying. Great news. We'll see all our season ticket holders for the Aberdeen game. They're also on sale and we get a sellout. We get a fantastic atmosphere and we see Scott Brown in tears. I think that's a good way to end the show. Before we finish, um, what's the predictions for St Mirren? 1-1. I said 1-1 last time and uh, I ended up being wrong in the right way. So I'll continue that trend. I'm going to say nil-nil, actually. Nil-nil, I know. I just got a bad feeling. I'm going one-nil. One-one-nil hearts, hi. I will go with that. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to go one-nil as well, but I'll not tell you for who. Um, (laughs) um, Well, thanks, guys, for joining me this week. Um, Yeah, hopefully we can get another win um, and another few points on the board. Um, against St Mirren um, and we can continue the, the positive atmosphere around the fans at Tyncastle. Um, we'll be back next week and until then, goodbye.